The 17 News at Sunrise podcast is brought to you by Clinica Sierra Vista. Welcome back to the 17 News at Sunrise podcast, where we share your news on your schedule. Working in the spirit of the Golden Empire, this is 17 News at Sunrise. Working in the spirit of the Golden Empire, this is 17 News at Sunrise. And good morning here at 5 a.m. Thanks for waking up with us. It's a finally Friday heading to a really nice weekend. From our 17 News follow-up file now, Parker Chamberlain was 15 when he killed his mother in their Bakersfield home. Now, after spending decades behind bars, he could be released this summer. The Board of Parole hearings this week affirmed a decision made by a two-person panel to grant Chamberlain parole. Chamberlain had faced 26 years to life in prison following his murder conviction in 2002. In July 2001, Chamberlain entered the bedroom of his mother, Tori Lynn Knapp, and stabbed her 35 times. At his August parole hearing, Chamberlain testified he wanted to hurt his mother, blaming her for money issues and his sister moving back home. He now says he's, quote, deeply, deeply sorry every day. Kern County District Attorney Cynthia Zimmer is calling on the governor to block Chamberlain's release in August. A Bakersfield police officer is under arrest this morning, facing a charge of vandalism. BPD says Officer Nicholas Bell was investigating a hit and run crash last month when he allegedly damaged a cell phone found inside a car. Several officers say they saw Bell throw the phone repeatedly on the ground in frustration because the driver had fled the scene. Bell was placed on administrative leave while an investigation was conducted. BPD recommended he be charged with vandalism. Suspected street racer Iqbal Singh has been booked on murder and other charges following a crash earlier this month that killed 19-year-old Bianca Flores. Investigators say Singh swerved into oncoming traffic while racing his Mustang against a motorcycle, slamming into Flores' car, killing her. Singh was hospitalized for his injuries but has since been released and booked into jail on charges of murder, participating in an illegal speed contest and reckless driving. Flores' family is offering a reward of $10,000 for information leading to the arrest of the motorcyclist who fled the scene. Meantime, State Assembly member Vince Fong and Jim Cooper have put in a budget request for $5.5 million in additional state funding for the CHP to help crack down on illegal street racing and sideshows. Fong and Cooper are also asking for $500,000 for the CHP to inform and educate the public on the dangers of street racing. Investigators this morning are still looking into a deadly helicopter crash that claimed the life of a Shafter man. The Fresno County Sheriff's Office says 53-year-old Stephen Wilson of Shafter was found dead inside the crop dusting helicopter just outside the town of Kalinga Tuesday night. The Sheriff's Office says Wilson, who owned Inland Aviation, based at Shafter Airport, had worked with American Ag Aviation for more than 20 years. The NTSB and the FAA have taken over this investigation. This is the second deadly crash involving an inland aviation pilot in the last six months. 62-year-old Max Hanner was killed when his plane went down shortly after takeoff November 3rd. Police are asking for your help finding a man considered at risk. This is 59-year-old Floyd Dennis Jr. Clark. BPD says he was last seen yesterday around 2 p.m. on Mount Vernon Avenue in Del Amo Way. Clark's considered at risk due to medical conditions. He's described as 5'4", 150 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. Police say he was wearing a black cowboy hat and sits in a black wheelchair. Anyone with information is urged to call police. 
507 is our time now and an update now on a story we first brought you yesterday morning on sunrise. A 73 year old hiker from the Southland was found alive yesterday, two days after setting after uh, venturing out near Mount Pinos. 17's Chris Burton was there for the emotional reunion with Gab Song's family. And when they say he's alive, I just, <laughs> me and my, my buddy Anthony was here too. We were, we literally just started crying. Like I immediately started crying. The 73-year-old went missing after heading out for a hike Tuesday on Mount Pinos in Fraser Park. Search crews and shoppers from multiple law enforcement agencies, including Kern County Sheriff's Office, scoured the Fraser Park area starting Wednesday morning. But in the end, it was a civilian in Lockwood Valley that spotted Song alive, walking, and in great condition. I was preparing for the worst, um, and so uh, to just kind of, uh, yeah, get to a space where I can just release that now. I have no words, man. I can't even. Uh, it's an indescribable feeling, and I think I'm just really thankful that my my dad is alive, and I'm, and I'm still processing like how much how much love and support we got from so many strangers too, not just friends and family. After his ordeal, Song declined to speak on camera, but he said he survived by lighting fires at night and after his food ran out Wednesday by eating snow. All he said so far is it was a terrible time. Friends say he is an experienced in-shape hiker, but a storm late Tuesday surprised him as it covered the mountains in fog and later snow. Experienced hikers themselves, the group Song treks with is grateful to have him back. I just heard that uh, he returned safe. What a relief. Glad to hear. Even the search and rescue teams were impressed at how Song looked after two days in the wilderness. Everyone was walking out saying he's a stud. I was like, all right, that's, I guess, I guess that's my pops. 17's Chris Burton reporting. I got to tell you, though, he is a stud. I mean, really? after two days. He, he looks fantastic. Yeah, looks like he just woke up and went for a walk. I know. I mean, every he looks great. I got to tell you, though, the story, I'm so glad that it ended this yeah. way because there were so many uh, factors that could have made this. Uh, I mean, you talk about the snow, the extreme temperatures. I'm glad it was all in, it worked out. Such a great ending. Yeah. 531 is our time now. It has been more than a decade since California voters approved spending billions of dollars to build a first-in-the-nation high-speed railway connecting the state's two largest cities. The project's leaders pledged to build the section of the rail from Merced to Bakersfield first, putting the Central Valley at the center of the plan. The tracks have been under construction along Highway 99, including in Wasco, for almost four years, but the project has consistently been bogged down by delays and rising costs. Just last week, the High Speed Rail Authority added another $5 billion to the project's price tag, bringing the new estimated total to finish the route from San Francisco to Los Angeles to $105 billion. The plan's also been the subject of many political battles over the years. President Donald Trump pulled federal funding for the project back in 2019, but it doesn't appear to be a simple red versus blue issue, especially not here in Bakersfield. 17's Maddie Gannon has more on the rail's political developments. Maddie. Maddie, when it comes to the latest political battle in Sacramento over the train, the Central Valley is at the center. 
But this is also an issue that brings together Bakersfield's two assemblymen who are on opposite sides of the aisle. It's the future and it's happening right It's been almost four years since California's high-speed rail first broke ground in the Central Valley. And despite some framework for the track now standing upright and Governor uh, Gavin Newsom recently proposing $4.2 billion to finish the section from Bakersfield to Merced. Today, California's first in the nation bullet train is no less controversial. The uh, California high-speed rail project is not high-speed and it's probably one of the most um, mismanaged projects in uh, California history. Bakersfield Republican Assemblyman Vince Fong always has been an outspoken critic of the project. He says the money should instead be used for schools, water storage, and wildfire prevention. If I presented um, the average Californian $100 billion and asked them what their priorities were, I would venture to bet that none of them would say high-speed rail. It may not seem unusual for a Republican legislator to reject a multi-billion dollar plan being pushed by a I'll liberal you, governor. But the issue doesn't fall so neatly down political lines. I was very clear and vocal even on my city council days when I was uh, here on the Bakersfield City Council about the problems with the, with the bullet train. Bakersfield's other assemblyman, Democrat Rudy Salas, says he's never thrown his support behind it either. He said, hey, look, we have concerns when you're going through our school and going through our churches and going through and, and you know, creating a lot of havoc in our local communities. And it all seems to be indicative of the latest high-speed rail feud in Sacramento, one in which the Central Valley is in the spotlight. I'm worried that we're dead in the water. Some I'm Southern also... California Democratic Assembly members, such as LA's Anthony Rendon, have pushed back on the plan to start with the Central Valley section, saying it won't bring value to the state without the portions in more urban areas done first. I think the uh, if you build it, they will come is uh, theory is pure fantasy. While Salas may not support the project in general, to that, he had a remark. To the, the naysayers that, that say, you know, the Central Valley, the, it's a bullet train to nowhere. No, this is somewhere. The valley is some place to be proud of. I'm very proud of this place. It's where your food comes from. Both Fong and Salas said the Central Valley faces problems with transportation that need to be addressed. But they also both agree the high-speed rail isn't the answer. In studio, Maddie Gannon, 17 News. Maddie, thank you. 536 is our time now. Today marks two years since two Porterville firefighters were killed in the line of duty. Captain Raymond Ray Figueroa and Firefighter Patrick Jones were killed in the Porterville Library fire in February 2020. In honor of the anniversary, both families are placing wreaths at the Porterville Library at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The city will also be dedicating a new flagpole and monument at Station 71 in honor of Figueroa and Jones. As of now, the station does not have a flag outside its department. The city of Porterville took care of the costs. Now to coronavirus. Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday officially unveiled the next phase of the state's efforts to address the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The new plan is called SMARTER, which stands for shots, masks, awareness, readiness, testing, education, and RX, or prescriptions. Governor Newsom says the plan includes tried and true methods to help Californians live with the virus. 
The new plan echoing similar comments from health experts that COVID-19 is becoming endemic. A disease reaches the endemic stage when the virus still exists in a community but becomes manageable as immunity builds. Here locally, Kern Public Health announced 858 new cases of the virus yesterday. Though cases are trending downward from just a week ago, the virus is still proving deadly. Eight new deaths were also reported. State data shows 167 people in the hospital, 39 patients in intensive care units. The Tehachapi Unified School District is clarifying how it deals with students who do not wear masks at its schools, stressing that in some instances they are being removed from the classroom. The district says state mandates require universal masking for students and staff, but some students choose not to comply. If that happens, the district says they are removed from class and offered a chance to either put a mask on and return or move to independent study. Parents are contacted to pick up non-compliant children, but if parents do not show up, students are supervised in a non-instructional setting and offered a free meal. The district stresses that the non-instructional setting is not a detention or punishment, though disciplinary actions may be used if students behave in a disruptive manner or threaten other students' safety or well-being. 538 is your time now happening this weekend. You can take a jump back into the time of the good old Wild West as the 65th annual Whiskey Flat Days returns to Kernville. And after being canceled last year due to the pandemic, the festival makes its triumphant return starting today. 17's Chris Burton made the trek up to Kernville this morning and joins us with a live look at what to expect this weekend. Chris, good morning. All this for Alex, Maddie, good morning. Yes, it is a beautifully crisp morning up here at the Whiskey Flat Encampment. And joining me now is Orion Sanders. He is the president of the Kernville Chamber of Commerce. Orion, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I know that this is the first year it's back on since, you know, you guys had to move away last year. How does it feel to be back here in the encampment? Oh, it's great. You know, all the people that uh, are involved, they're just bigger and better, and they're just really energized to have it back and, and be doing our thing. And and we're just looking forward to having all the people here and having a good, safe weekend. Absolutely. We are warming ourselves by the fire. The smoke's coming up a little bit. But, um, you know, tell me a little bit about the history of this event. This is the 60, 65th year it's been going on, and I know it's changed a little bit over time. Yeah, so after Old Kernville moved up to New Kernville area, the town folk really wanted to have an annual celebration to, uh, you know, to just respect the old town as it was and so they started whiskey flat days and you know we've been having reenactments and, and carnivals and vendors and just a whole lot of fun ever since so what can folks expect when they come up here uh, this weekend a lot of different things going on we have uh, three different rodeos we have a, a motorcycle atv rodeo on friday night we have our street dance uh, circle park on friday night saturday we have our two big uh, horse rodeos that we have and, and then we have the carnival area for the kids with uh, the bounce houses and all that kind of stuff. Tons of vendors. we got the parade on Saturday. Uh, just a whole lot of stuff going on. All right, Orion, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Whiskey Flat Days runs from today, February 18th through the 21st. And we will be back in the next half hour interviewing Mike Woodward, who is the producer of this here encampment. And he's going to take us through some of the stuff you, you can come out and see. So live in Whiskey Flat, Chris Burton, 17 News. Working in the spirit of the Golden Empire, this is 17 News at Sunrise. The 17 News at Sunrise podcast is a production of KGET and Star Media Group. 
For more on all of the headlines in today's show, head to KGET.com.